This is the Retail Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on market scale. On that third mega trend, where consumers really have taken over the shopping channel, they're walking into stores a lot more informed. We don't hide from the fact that retail is difficult, you know, every day is a challenge, but that excites the customer, they love that. Hey everyone, welcome into the podcast today. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Now, as many of you know, COVID-19 has been a major disruptor across a number of industries, and we've seen a rise in the use of emerging technologies to help tackle these challenges. And here to discuss the trends we've seen in robotics in the supply chain is Zach Baim. He's the Director of Innovative Systems for AHS. Zach, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Tyler. Appreciate you uh, having me on the podcast. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really excited, and you and I were talking before we, we hit record, just that this is a really timely topic, just given everything that's going on in the world, um, and some of the challenges that, that you've seen uh, people come up against during this time. So let's just start off kind of broad, Zach. What, what challenges has COVID-19 posed to the supply chain in general? Absolutely. Uh, some of the challenges that are, are just like anything else, going to a restaurant where you have to follow social distancing guidelines. There's facility capacities that they got to take into account, uh, as well as the supply chain putting more emphasis and uh, online orders versus uh, going to the store because uh, a lot of stores are not open anymore and mm-hmm. some stores aren't going to open. So those are a lot of the challenges that some of uh, the supply chains running into and they're looking for ways to utilize innovation to overcome those challenges and those pain points. Yeah, so you mentioned the, those pain points and, and obviously social distancing being a big topic of conversation, no matter where you are, or where you work or what you're doing and that kind of thing. So are there are there options when it comes to robotics that can help provide solutions to the issue of maybe reducing the number of people required to accomplish tasks in fulfillment or distribution centers? Because I, I know that's a big thing, right? If, if you can lower the number of people you need in a given space, then you can obviously spread out more and keep people safe. So are there robotic options to help... Uh, with some of those tasks? Absolutely. Uh, there's uh, different robotic options for goods to person, as well as mobile robotics that just really focus on the non-value add movements. But if you take social distancing into an example, um, if you're going through a facility and you're picking orders and there's a hundred people doing that, they're all crossing paths, being in the same area, it's really difficult to keep social distancing in mind. So. One of the great things about the goods to person system is the robot will actually bring the product to the picker and the picker stays in a singular area. That way you don't have people crossing paths and that way you don't have people really staying too close to each other and they're keeping social distancing in mind. But also what that allows them to do is be more efficient. So instead of maybe needing 100 people to do that process, you could do that process with possibly 50 or 25, depending upon the efficiencies that are gained by utilizing goods of the person system. And utilizing those efficiencies and maybe lowering the, the number of people that you need in a given space, that can also help control costs, right? Which is something that people are also looking at during this time, just given everything that's going on and maybe some of the hits that uh, the different businesses have taken during this time. You know, m- making sure that you're controlling costs is also an important thing. Absolutely. Specifically controlling costs around uh, not only people doing the actual picking and doing the fulfillment uh, and packaging, but also the retraining of people. Um, So before COVID and the crisis happened, there was a a, a labor shortage in the job market. 
So not only when uh, you would actually get people into the facility, then you'd have to train them. And then if they would leave, you'd have to retrain new employees and you'd have to go out and get new employees to do that. So by utilizing technology, that helps limit that expense as well as being able to do the process more efficiently with a less amount of people. And also focusing in on the social distancing aspect as well as limiting the people in the, in the facility to get the same throughput out of this facility that you are getting when you're doing it with 100 people with 25 to 50 people as an example. Mm, absolutely. So you mentioned the, the picker robot earlier. Give, give me an idea of some of the other tasks that can be delegated to robots. What, what are some other capabilities maybe that robotics has uh, that can be implemented into a supply chain environment? Tyler, that's a great question. So a lot of people, they're very interested in the technology and they want to know where they want to start, right? So there's options for bringing the product to a person to pick, but also in a facility, there's tons of non-value added movement. And sometimes we just talk to a customer about possibly starting by taking out the trash. And I know it's kind of a, a funny term to bring up, but it's absolutely true. If you think about any facility, uh, there's a lot of uh, wasted corrugate, movement of trash, or just going around and, and basically taking trash to a dumpster or taking trash to a, uh, or corrugate to a compactor. So sometimes it's easy as starting there and, and getting familiar with the technology, understanding if your culture is accepting to the technology, uh, and then kind of basically phasing in approach to take over more of the processes, whether it's uh, pallet movement within a facility or movement to, to help a picker in an area. Um, utilizing technology and mobile robotics is really does a really good job when you phase it in and you help people understand how to react to the technology and how to work with the technology. So I think when some people hear, you know, that idea of maybe pallet movement and things along those lines, their first question might be safety. So how can you speak to the safety aspect of it and, and how these robots can move around a facility while still having people in it in a safe manner? Absolutely. All of the OEMs uh, in the mobile robotic space that we work with, we focus very heavily on safety. Most of the uh, OEMs that we work with, they have a full-fledged PL Level D safety system that has a 360-degree safety scanner, as well as making sure that forklifts or people in that area can, can work well together, but everything is done very safely. So we take that approach. Uh, we do a risk assessment with our customers, making sure they fully understand how the robots uh, will interact with their people, with their forklifts in those areas to make sure that not only is the robot safe, but also the people and the forklifts and the other uh, MHE that's in that area are working safely around that, that system. So Zach, when you are contacted by a customer and they're saying, you know, we want to, you know, make our processes more efficient, we'd like to bring in robotics, um, you know, and, and help automate maybe some of these processes, reduce, uh, you know, the, the amount of, of movement that we have in our facility, things along those lines, like what you've spoken about up to this point. Do you help consult with them at all just to make sure that they're choosing the right solutions for their particular facility and what their needs are? And if so, what does that look like for you? Absolutely. Uh, we at AHS have developed a process, that, uh, it's a six-step process uh, called design-build. Um, so really the first step in that process is understanding the customer. That might include a site visit uh, and really just discovery process and understanding what is the customer's pain points? What are the things that are causing them the most heartache? Or like some people will say, what, what basically makes you stay up at night? And uh, lay in bed and stare at the ceiling and, and make you think about what you've got to handle the next day. So we, we try to understand that for the customer. Uh, and then what we do is we analyze, how can we make that process better? Or how can we uh, handle that pain point? A lot of times 
we will look at multiple different technologies. Uh, one of the great part about being a systems integrator is we can bring the right fit of the different solutions to the customer in order to make basically handle their pain points. Since we can, we can rely on multiple different technologies, whether it's automatic, semi-automatic or anything else, uh, we could utilize that to put together for different solutions, which would go right into our recommendation step, uh, which would be step number three. And then we actually work with the customer uh, to fully approve that. And then we do everything within the four walls, whether it's a brownfield environment, just basically focusing on one process or every process within a facility. Uh, and then we, we implement that technology and work with the, the customer to basically set the KPIs and the different things that they need in order to say, uh, the system's gonna handle all their pain points and all their needs that they're looking for. Uh, and that way at the end, which is the last step in the process would be validation of the system and the technology that we put in for. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that that is um, that that to me is really the, the the most interesting part is just that that process of going from you know what are your pain points here are the solutions and then working together to to you know have positive outcomes uh, come from that the implementation of these solutions. So if you put your your yourself in in maybe the mindset of your customers of your clients, what are the factors that they are considering? Um, you know what what are the things that that maybe they should be asking themselves as they consider you know what can robot really be beneficial for us what are some factors that might be in the mindset of yeah, of your customers of your clients some of the factors I mean just starting at the very beginning right uh, what a partnership is uh, mm -hmm. is being able to listen to the customer some people out in the industry may not listen to all the pain points uh, of the customer but we try to do that a lot and it's right in our vision statement that our goal is to inspire innovation with our customers create long-lasting uh, partnerships and create a, a superior customer experience so if you don't start off by listening uh, to what the customer needs are uh, and being able to understand those needs, it's very difficult to follow through with your vision. So we really believe strongly with that. And the next step would be making sure that we have the right people uh, working on the project. So at AHS, we have multiple team members in our different departments from uh, customer facings to solutions, to applications, to emerging technologies. So a lot of times we will pull a, a person of that team for AHS from each one of those departments to make sure that we have people with all different kinds of experience and all different technologies. That way, when we sit down and really call a, what we call a whiteboard session, to sit down and go through with the customer and fully understand what they need, uh, that we have multiple different experiences, multiple different voices in the room. That way, uh, we really give the customer everything that they may need or may be looking at in order to solve their solutions. So a lot of that too, as well as builds right into the culture. And uh, we really truly believe in uh, with our customers and, and prospects that we have to align culturally, not just um, we want to sell you a product or we want to sell you a solution or we want to sell you our capabilities, but we really want to have a culture fit. And a lot of our customers that we've been working with for 15, 20, 30 years, uh, we culturally align all the way through from uh, the beginning part of the process to the engineering part of the process to the execution part of the process and mm -hmm. so we really focus heavily on that uh, so a customer uh, coming to AHS uh, you know that's one of the things that they would want to make sure that they have the capability to go out and bring any type of solution in to solve their pain points and their needs but also to be able to, to have a cultural fit with that company and I would say we do a great job with that and uh, that's why we have a lot of customers that have been around for a long time yeah yeah, absolutely. So you were mentioning to me before that a lot of your customers are direct to consumer. Is that right? And if so, 
does that add in some some different considerations um, on their part that they have to take? And, and what does that look like for you? Well, absolutely. Uh, a lot of our customers are direct to consumer customers. Uh, the e-commerce market boom has been a, a huge influx of opportunities and customers and work for us. Uh, and and even now today, it's changing even more with uh, you know some of the challenges of that COVID the COVID crisis has brought to to market is everybody is going more online, right? Uh, because stores aren't open or uh, they're working limited hours or they're only letting so many people in. So a lot of the things that uh, our direct to consumer customers have to deal with now is even six and 10 times peaks. So essentially uh, what they have to do with the same facility and a similar amount of people is uh, let's say get 10,000 units out today and then tomorrow during a peak time or the next week during a peak time, uh, or during uh, Christmas, uh, you know, Black Friday and, and Cyber Monday timeframe, get a 6x that or 10x that. So they have to have a very flexible system. Um, and some of our customers are um, looking at more micro fulfillment facilities, which are smaller facilities that are more regionally placed. That way they can handle the uh, next day uh, expectation of delivery. Um, so a lot of customers are trying to uh, trend that way. Most have had you know, probably 60% retail, 40% e-com, uh, and we're starting to see a switch of that. So not only it's taking facilities that will have been doing retail, but also doing that micro-fulfillment, which is a, a more regionally based solution that they can, uh, you could get on today and order a pair of pants because you need them for tomorrow and they show up tomorrow via your, your carrier and, and you'll be able to get that quickly uh, and be able to do that. So it's, it's really challenging uh, the supply chain on the direct-to-consumer side. There are a lot of different technologies that are people are looking at, especially when you start uh, factoring some of the things that we talked about previously uh, when it comes to social distancing and limiting the capacity of a facility. Uh, so they're really leaning heavily on innovative systems, flexible systems uh, that they can uh, basically ramp up to handle these peaks. You mentioned a word there that I think has proven to be very important uh, during this time, and, and that's flexibility, right? So kind of talk to me about how robotics and how these solutions can help distribution centers, fulfillment centers, places like that be more flexible uh, moving forward, because I think that that's been a, maybe a major theme of COVID-19 is the ability to be flexible, the ability to be nimble in the marketplace. So how can robotics really come in and help aid in that goal? Absolutely. There's all kinds of ways that uh, robotics and, and integrators can help with that type of solution. Uh, so let's just start off by, you know, being able to have a robot be able to do multiple tasks. So a lot of our customers in the e-com and during their peak time frame, uh, they're going to need 20 robots to complete a different task. Well, during their average time frame, they only need 10. So are there other processes? that are non-value added, like we referenced before, that those robots could do and be uh, basically tasked to do during those non-peak times. So with a lot of the mobile robotic technology that's out there, whether it's pallet movement, picking, or uh, tote transportation, those types of processes, uh, maybe you could use it for picking and then use it for trash haul away during average time uh, when you go from your peak to average. The other great thing about it is, is the flexibility of the technology to be able to uh, some of the goods, the person systems. Um, so as an example, let's say you have five stations that you need to pick from during your peak time frame. Once that peak time frame subsides, uh, then you might be doing replenishment on two out of uh, those five stations, but still doing your picking. Um, so with some of the technology that's out there, 
uh, as long as you really look into the data, which is one of the big things that we do, you could be extremely flexible with it in order to make sure that you could handle those peaks, whether it's for a day, whether it's for a week, utilize the storage, utilize the different uh, solutions and the software that's out there in order to make sure that you can get through your peak, but also you don't build the kind of terminology we have for this uh, market is that build the church for Easter Sunday, right? Where you have to build this ginormous system in order to handle your one to three week period uh, of peak. Is there ways that you can uh, utilize hours, utilize technology to help release that burden of just what we call throwing people at it, right? In order to get a uh, product out the door. So there's much more of a methodology and a process in order to be efficient and to be able to handle direct-to-consumer uh, peak timeframes. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Zach, this has been a really fascinating conversation, and I think that uh, it's been extremely informative just on the role um, that robotics and robot integrators can play in helping in the supply chain, especially during this time. So uh, is there a place where people can find more information on AHS and what it is that you guys do? Absolutely. Uh, you could go to our website, ahs1.com. And actually, we just launched a brand new website recently. We are very active on social media and YouTube. Uh, in fact, uh, if you were to uh, get on our website and follow our LinkedIn page, you'll see that we actually just uh, integrated the first Exotech system in the United States, which is a goods-to-person technology. Um, and it's a really exciting time for us in our innovations lab in Cincinnati. And it's really a game-changing technology that can help that flexibility, that need for having social distancing, reducing the number of people in a facility. So uh, I would say those are the two locations to, to really uh, find out more about AHS. You could also connect with me on LinkedIn, Zach Bain, and uh, I'm always putting different types of videos and, and sharing things from our, our partners and, and those types of things and uh, uh, try to be informative as possible and really try to help understand that uh, innovation can come in different forms. Mm -hmm. um, and all different types of innovation technology out there, innovative ways to, you know, pay uh, for solutions uh, such as machine as a service. So that would be the great place to, to keep up the date and see the latest and greatest technology that's out there. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Zach, thank you so much for joining me today here on the podcast and, uh, and giving us a rundown on everything going on in the world of robotics and supply chain. Perfect. Thank you very much, Tyler. Appreciate the time. And everybody, thank you so much for joining us today here on the podcast. Remember to go visit that website, AHS1, that's the number one, dot com, and you'll be able to find more information about Zach Bame and what it is that they do there at AHS. And everybody, thank you so much for listening along to the podcast today. We appreciate it very much. Of course, we'll be back soon with more podcasts just like this one. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.